Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Today, I'm speaking with the witty, smart, poised, and utterly inspirational Olympic bronze medalist Adam Rippon. As the oldest rookie to qualify for the Olympics at 28 years old and the first openly gay American figure skater to compete at the Olympics, his path to success has been groundbreaking, although it hasn't been without setbacks. In his new memoir, Beautiful on the Outside, Rippon hilariously reveals what it's like to be an elite figure skater. From the glitz of sequin costumes to the unglamorous act of cleaning bugs off of the ice at competition. And all the failure from quad Lutz practice, the hardest quad jump to land in competition, that led him to a spot on the Olympic team in Pyongyang. Now, your mom probably told you it's what's on the inside that counts. Well, she was never a competitive figure skater. Rippon has been making it pretty for the judges, even when, just below the surface, everything was an absolute mess. Traveling to practices on a Greyhound bus next to ex-convicts, being so poor he could only afford to eat the free apples at his gym. Rippon got through all of those tough times with a smile on his face, a glint in his eye, and a quip ready for anyone listening. Beautiful on the Outside takes a look at his journey from a homeschooled kid in Scranton, Pennsylvania, to a self-professed American sweetheart on the world stage, and with it, as he writes, all the disasters and self-delusions it took him to get there. Sure, it may be what's on the inside that counts, but life is so much better when it's beautiful on the outside. Let's say hello to Olympic bronze medalist, Adam Rippon. Hey, Randy, this is Adam Rippon. How are you? Oh my gosh, Adam Rippon, I'm such a fan. How are you? <laughs> Much better now, after that introduction. First of all, thank you for having time to chat. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, I am recording this, so you know. I'm By law, I'm supposed to tell you that before I turn on the cameras. There are also three cameras behind you right now that you can't see. This will all be great for the reality <laughs> show. Uh, but I'm just letting you know I'm recording. Uh, this will be used on my podcast for The Randy Report, and I'll also be writing this up as an article for Instinct Magazine. Okay, great. Well, I'm smiling, but I'm ready for the cameras. I'm always ready for a camera. Yes, and thank you for following show. the law. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I have to tell you I love the memoir. We don't call it an autobiography anymore. We call it a memoir and it's awesome. It is so you or who I think you are. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so glad that that is um what you got from it because it was so important to me that as I wrote every single word in this book that like it felt more like a conversation I was having with someone rather than someone some a dictation of like my own story. When I first started reading, I'm, I'm going to be absolutely honest. I laughed and laughed and laughed. I thought, I don't know how he has. I overthink some of my writing as a writer. And you put mm-hmm. so much of your humor that America or the world seems to have, we know who you are now. And there's so much of it, especially up front, that I feel like you set the tone that we are talking to Adam Rippon. There's so much humor in what you do, especially, I mean, every page I was laughing, I thought, good for him that you capture <laughs> that. I'm, I'm, honestly, it's 
One, it's still surreal to speak to people who have read the book because it's been this project that I feel like I've been working on for a long time. And to hear, you know, even you just say, yeah, when I was reading the book, I'm like, oh, oh God, you read it. Like it's out. But that was so important to me that it was something funny because in a way that this book, this book has been a way and an opportunity for me to kind of speak about like almost a, a, a chapter of my, of my life that I feel like has closed while this new chapter of my life has opened. And for me to kind of cast my humor and my comedy into this book, that was, that was so important to me that people would walk away from it and be like, that was a funny book. Like if this book had a mother, I would want it to be like Bossy Pants by <laughs> Tina Fey. Well, I will acknowledge that I really appreciate that there is an official gayest sentence in the book on page 156. <laughs> I that landed for me so well that that was there and that you you acknowledge it you point it out for us you point out a few things for us as the readers really lands here's something interesting that happens for me though um, I'm going to relate part of this about me so that we talk about you um, I was an actor on Broadway for many years before I became a journalist and I see so much to relate to in your book, not as an actor, we get to that later because I understand the idea of moving on from this one thing in your life that you've done for 20 years and now you're in this different phase of your life and I want to get to that. But one thing you say early in the book, and I suddenly thought I've never said that out loud, but that's exactly what I thought. You say at one point that you loved looking back at crushes on girls when you were young and you saw it as an early form of diva worship, which mm. I totally get as a gay man because I loved girls too in like middle school and high school. I did. And when I read that, I went, well, isn't that a good way to do it? That's, that's probably what I was doing is, is I appreciated and I dated girls and, and stuff. And, but that was a great way to put it. And I think that like when you don't know what's going on in your body and how you actually feel that when I look back to the the girls that I honestly felt like I was really attracted to it was like they had these really uh, these personalities that I admired and these uh, attributes that I thought were so great and it really was like I that I, I really admired them and I so badly truly did not want to be gay that I tried so hard to associate these feelings of admiration with like love and looking back like I truly did have feelings for the girls that I was with but like the first time I was ever with a boy I was like oh (laughs) like it felt so different that I was like oh no I'm dumb like I figured it out now like what was I (laughs) thinking before you know I I always just thought that like gay people had to think that like you know if you that the opposite sex had to that a gay person needed to think that someone of the opposite sex was yes a hundred million percent yes and i wasn't repulsed so i was like yeah later you said something and i won't stay on this but i have to tell you you're right because this happened to me in college i had a really cute girlfriend she was an alpha phi i was in the fraternity sigma chi i really liked my girlfriend a lot but i didn't have sex sometimes because i thought i was being the good guy. And you write this in your book. And I think there are a lot of gay men that are going to read that. I was from Texas. I thought I was being polite. I thought I was being the good guy. And seeing that in print, I went, there were so many gay men that probably did the exact same thing. Uh, My girlfriend in college once asked if she could stay over in my apartment, and I got a really nice pillow and a blanket. Mm -hmm. 
How stupid is that? Oh my god! Because now I realize I what mean, she was saying. Like, oh dear. I, I just remember that feeling of like the reason I'm not doing anything is because like I'm one of the good guys, mm-hmm. and you know, then you learn. You're like, oh no, Mm-mm. baby. Yeah, I'm not. Human nature takes like, over when it's right, right? <laughs> yes, completely. And that's how like I realized that like no, I just on some sort of level knew what I was doing just wasn't really who I was, so I wouldn't pursue it. Um, and that the reason that like there were these guys who had these girlfriends and they would ha- sleep with their girlfriends, it's like because they truly felt like there was this like natural human connection between them where they had they they that was the right thing for them to do. And for me, it was like that was always the thing that stopped me. And for me, I felt like it was my conscience. But really, it was human nature it was like this isn't for you. And you'll figure out why in a little bit. And I'll hit you over the head like a bag of rocks, but it'll hit you. I, when I read that, I want you to know there are gay men that are going to read that and then go, I completely get that. I do want to talk about figure skating because I hear you're kind of good on the ice. <laughs> I have to tell you the story of the 2015 Nationals is thrilling. Oh, I, you put it you. in words so well and shifting from the boyfriend to feeling shafted by the judges to going out there and just <clears throat> you captured this so well for the reader. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I to be honest, I had such a great team help me write this book because I would describe myself more as a storyteller than a writer. And so I did work with a lot of people who helped me put it together. But it was important for me to kind of share that story in particular, because it was in that moment that like with everything that surrounded it of like, um, so at 2015 Nationals, I skated this two great programs. And the first one was the short where I felt like I was a little bit shafted. And the next one was this like long program. I got this amazing score and it felt like everything was coming together. And I had just left this boyfriend that was like a nightmare. And it was like, oh my God, in this moment, like everything's coming together. And then the last skater goes out, they win, I'm second. And I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> like even in this moment. But then I realized that like that was such a non-issue because I was so proud and happy of everything else I had done. And then when I could take a step even further back, I was like actually really excited and proud of the boy that had won because, you know, he had a lot of pressure on him to skate well. And I realized that like the placement had really nothing to do with it or like the awards had nothing to do with the your self-worth. And once I was able to like disassociate the two, I felt like in that moment, it was such a life defining moment because I was able to focus more on myself than I was on anything else going on. And it shows, it shows you had another moment uh, for the reader that I felt uh, it was page 225. See, I took notes. I really read the book. You mentioned (laughs) that you want to show more than sass, that you want to put you, you want, you want people to see that you put shit behind you. And in that paragraph, you're at the, you just really, everything kind of comes to like the denouement. It's like the perfect moment for the reader. It's, it's what the reader wants to get to. We want to be with you in that moment at the Olympics and you just seem like in such a good place mentally. And earlier in the book, which I'm not going to go into now, but you went through a lot of stuff and living with people away from your family. You detail a lot about not having money, but you get to the Olympics and you do these three skates and your headspace seems so good. And I think people need to hear that because we need to be inspired by these things. We all saw it on TV. I watched. I was thrilled. But reading it, hearing what was going on in your head is awesome. 
I don't think there's ever been like a moment in my life. And I wouldn't even say a moment. It was just like, and when I say moment, I think of a one month hyper focused period of my life where I was so in control of what I was doing. And I was so in the present moment. And that was really like a, a culmination of everything I had gone through and how I had learned to be there and how I had learned to separate the, you know, the media aspect of a competition to the competition part. And it was just like, I felt like in a way I was giving this like master class of mastering how to juggle two things, these two things at once. But I was so in the moment and I felt so powerful and so myself in those moments that like looking back and I'm like, holy shit, like that was a, like, I don't really know how I did that but I think all of the ups and downs I went through prepared me for it and it just coalesced into this moment I do love that you share with us too the moment meeting Gus and that you guys have been texting for a few uh, months before that you're both kind of going in this with similar but different journeys as gay men to the Olympics and I appreciate that you pointed out the differences because some people who may not know all the Olympics and I don't know who these people are why we would talk to them <laughs> Because Gus's journey was a little different. Um, he'd won his medal. Uh, he was in a hyper-masculine sport and all of that. But it was reading, being in the holding space, and you're all wearing the same uniforms for the USA, and you actually see him, and it was, it was like a movie. And it was important, I will tell you, as a, a gay man watching the Olympics who was following your stories, that to see you guys enter was important for all of us. It really was. It was so important to me because in that moment, it felt like a moment that was like, not just for me. And it felt like a moment that was for my younger self and for other people to see. And it felt so much bigger than, than me. And it was so simple. And I just thought back to like the younger version of me who, who thought that they might be gay, but also thought that they would never share it with someone else. And I mean, here I am standing with someone from a different sport, from a completely different part of the u.s and whatever and our our corners of this of sporting world are so different here we are walking in as like friends and we're representing that community and we've gone through these different journeys at the same time i can look at him and he can look at me and we're like i get it and that's why it was so powerful. And I've walked away from that game as Gus being still somebody who like, I just, in that moment, like our, our whole lives kind of changed together. And I felt like he was put in my life to like be that friend that I'll always have. And I just, I just so look at him as a brother of mine. Like he just feels like a family member and I haven't known him that long, but I, we really are really linked together because of a moment like that. I do want to mention, you let us know throughout the book, you talk about following your gut and being afraid of your gut. And finally, when you finally do follow your gut, that's when things start, when you're doing things for yourself. And you did that again for the Oscars. And you chose the harness. You wanted the harness. And you just felt good about it. And I love that you, you mention in that chapter that you knew that in the past when you'd done your gut thing – it paid off for you in how you felt about yourself. And I thought that was a great thing to revisit one more time before the end of the book. I personally think that's a great message for people, especially young people, 
to hear that you can make choices for yourself because you tell a great story about you and your mom throughout the book and that journey that you both go on. And I got so nervous so many times reading it. <laughs> Believe me, I was nervous living it. So we were in the same boat. I love that you chose the, the harness for yourself and reading a little bit of the story behind it because obviously you did make a lot of news with the harness at the Oscars and everything. Well, with the harness in particular, it was um, I worked with uh, Jeremy Scott and Jeremy had a bunch of these different outfits out. And, you know, the harness was with another suit. And then there was this other suit with this jacket. And, you know, I didn't know. It's Jeremy Scott. I've never met him. He's a famous designer. And I, and I asked, is it okay if we mix and match a few of these things? And Jeremy was like, oh, yeah, do whatever you want. And we'll, we'll make it all work. I just thought that, like, because this, bl- this one blazer had these different, these opening in the shoulders. And they were strapped together. And... I thought it would be cool to have that with a harness because it would be like, oh, a lot of straps. And I never even thought of like um, the what that might mean to other people of like the harness being associated with gay culture. For me, I never even saw it that way. I just did something that I thought was cool and that was different. And I think, you know, I didn't do it with the intention of being like over the top. I didn't do it with the intention of just being attention getting. I did it because I felt like really authentically me and fun and different and a little risky. And that's, and I liked it. And I just thought I looked good. And so I went and I did it. And it was like a a nice reminder of like post-Olympic things that if you do things because you like them and you think you are cool, other people will get that perception of like, oh, that is cool. And you should do other things that are cool. Speaking of post-Olympics, I do want to say one more thing. I have a favorite quote, and you're tired, you're in post-Olympics mode, you're doing Stars on Ice, you're doing Dancing with the Stars, which you won, I'll say, for the listening audience, and you were tired, and you say, I earned being this tired, I did not earn getting, and I love that you write that, because a lot of people could just get mad, or I've arrived, and I'm going to be maybe bitchy or something, and you don't. You held on to who you were, and you were in the moment, you were present, you were enjoying it all, and you won Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) Well, it was really important to me, because I think what I was doing at that time was really crazy. Like, I was doing all of these interviews, I was doing a lot of press still. With all of that, I was touring and doing Dancing with the Stars. I was sleeping for maybe like two or three hours a night and then physically working all day and trying to be on so that I could give everybody, you know, my best self when I would have the chance to meet them and be physically and mentally there. And it was really, really challenging. And I remember thinking to myself, there is probably not going to be another time in your life where you're doing where you're so busy. And you have two huge projects going on at the same time where you like can't, where they're organized literally down to the minute so that you can get a nap every night. So don't, you know, be, get upset, but like, you know, you're allowed to, you know, have those ups and downs emotionally and it's emotional what you're doing, but be really grateful because, you know, think of where you were a year ago. Think of where you were five years ago. You would have killed to be in the shoes of the person you are right now. And I reminded myself that, like, the way that you feel this exhaustion is what you would have done anything to feel. You can't look at it and be in this moment now and be like, 
But I didn't know any better. Like, you knew you were ready. This is what it is. This is what comes with it. So accept it and enjoy it. I do want you to know I'm such a fan of yours. I love the book. It captures you. It captures your spirit and your humor, which we all love. You are America's sweetheart. We knew it the first time you said it. You just had to verbalize it for us. But listen, congratulations on everything with with your web series and Break the Ice and your YouTube channel and all the stuff you're doing for Good Morning America and Nightline. Just congratulations. You deserve it. You're an awesome personality and... Uh, on top of a world-class athlete, obviously, but you're an awesome personality that the audience really enjoys, and I think you're authentically you, and I applaud that just all the time. So congratulations on all this, really. Oh, Randy, thank you so much. You're so sweet. You're such a sweetheart. I really, really had a great conversation with you. Well, thank you. I hope we get to talk sometime in the future. I would love it. You have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Regular listeners of The Randy Report know that I have a famously short attention span, which is why when I discovered things like web series with seven-minute episodes and only eight-episode seasons, it really appealed to me. So it's not often that I have the time or really the desire to sit down and read a whole book. This is going to take like six or seven hours, but I have to say I loved reading this book. I was a fan of Adams before the 2018 Olympics, and I've certainly grown into a bigger fan now. The book is funny, 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 but it also really fleshes out a lot of the hard journey that it takes to be an elite athlete on the world stage. I don't think many people are aware of how much time Adam had to spend away from his family, living with strangers so that he could train with the right coaches across the country, and the financial stresses that this put on him and his family. I found it a totally engrossing read, and I absolutely laughed a lot, a lot, a lot. There'll be a link in the show notes where you can order the book online on Amazon. I really recommend you pick it up. Thanks again to Adam for having time to chat. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of this as the 60 Minutes of Gay News only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com, where I cover the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.